It's Guild Ball Tonight, your independent source for Guild Ball news, information, and conversation. Episode 40 for June 14th, 2016. Well, hello and... Ah, I think I rubbed olive oil into one of my eyes. <laughs> Ooh, that's not good. At least I don't have to read anything to do this podcast. All right, well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Guild Ball Tonight podcast. Now, I am your your uh, visually challenged uh, host, Phil. Ow. All right. Yeah, I was eating some marinated mozzarella right before we started the show, and I think I had either some seasoning or some olive oil on my finger. And <laughs> now it's all in my eye. Right in the eyeball. It bends. There's an obscure movie quote for you. Anyway. Alright, let's get this show on the road. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Guild Ball Tonight podcast. Now, I am your host, Phil. Uh, That would be the one with the stinging eyes, long story. And uh, joining me tonight, as is always the case... Uh, with his eyes in perfectly normal condition, is our co-host Bill. How you doing, Bill? I'm. I. I can see. I can see. <laughs> That's one of us. <laughs> I mean, I'm famously blind, but right now I actually can't open my eyes. <laughs> so uh, anyway, and I'm. Uh, I'm not going to re-record that because I don't feel like doing it again. <laughs> All right, so what are we gonna do on the show once um, once I'm done hurting? Yes, Phil. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna show? do on the show? We are going to we're gonna have some news, uh, just some news. It has it's another quiet news week, that's for sure. And we are going to I think we're gonna talk about some of our our play experiences in the recent past. I know that we've got some some games that we played uh, to to discuss and to uh, I think we're going to focus a little bit on uh, one of the new captains in particular when we do so since we both coincidentally are playing the same team all of a sudden and by coincidentally you mean completely without planning right because we don't plan anything (laughs) Uh, as soon as that's all done we are going to be joined by uh Local uh, local legend Michael Rivero, who is going to talk to us about his experience with getting Guild Ball up and running at a brand new store. Uh, he's done so very successfully, and I think he's got some great tips for anybody looking to follow his leads. So that will be our interview for this week. And then following that, we are gonna uh, we are gonna try to answer a few Twitter questions because, well, let's be honest, we never answer them all. So, why don't we go ahead and get started with what is clearly a pretty loose episode of the Guild Ball Tonight podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill, why don't you uh, why don't you start the news while I try to 
get yeah, some of the sun no, in my eye. No problem. So, <laughs> so uh, this weekend leading into uh, the upcoming Origins, or this past weekend, I should say, I believe it was the past weekend, was the uh, UK Games Expo. And uh, floating around at the UK Games Expo were three rather uh, not plastic-colored uh, new mascots. Indeed. So, you know, we got a look at uh, we got a look at uh, the the pig, the turtle, and well, salt's alternative. <laughs> so tentacles, and then those yes, other two. The other two. Uh, <laughs> the other two being strongbox and uh, truffles. Truffles. Um, and then we got a uh, close-up as the guys got to the U.S. on their trip over to Origins Game Fair. And uh, on one of the uh, various Facebook groups, there was a, uh, a close-up of the models all over again. Um, I know the picture that was in the case at the UK Games Expo was not, not the closest picture. Right. So what did you think, Phil? Well, I mean, I'm certainly I'm I'm excited. I'm a little disappointed that the the there's no armadillo because we all know I love armadillos. True, and that I'm I need my armadillo. <laughs> so the sooner they get that to me, the better. Uh, I choose to believe that he will be the fourth of the of the first uh, the first wave of, of mascots to come out because <laughs> otherwise I will be very sad because I need to uh, I need to buy about five of them and put them into assorted poses that uh, I remember <laughs> from taxidermied Lone Star beer promotional armadillos from my childhood exactly so um, yeah so anyway so so as as far as the, the mascots who are actually there go I uh, I thought they all looked really good. I was a little surprised that Strongbox seems to be smaller than I expected, and Tentacles seems to be much larger than I expected. Now, I mean, they've both got the same size base, but I think I expected for the the, the turtle to more or less fill that base, and for the octopus to do so only through the only through the inclusion of his arms, but the um, kind of the alien bubble head of the octopus is uh, huge, pretty enormous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, other than I that, I think the first thing that caught me was how smooth mm-hmm. um, Truffles' back was. Yeah, yeah. I think we, I think Truffles, we're kind of expecting to be enormous and gross <laughs> he's like a big ball he's just like a big friendly ball it's, it's, he's just a big ball he, I, I think he's gonna take some good it's gonna take a good paint job on him to, to make him not look like you know just a bit it's charlotte <laughs> well there's a modeling opportunity there is a modeling opportunity for either I, a sure goal or just part of the just part of the figure is it's not Charlotte. It was Wilbur. Wilbur, Wilbur was the that's pig. Right. Yeah, was Charlotte say, I, was the I know spider. I got the name of the the pig wrong, but right, uh, right. yeah, the pig was named Wilbur. Yeah, it's it's Wilbur. Yeah. It's 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 Wilbur with a with a you know S and M mask on. <laughs> well, who's to say that the 
that uh, Wilbur didn't have one of those on all along. I mean, as we've as we've <laughs> recently learned from Harry Potter, your your mind's eye is not the author's <laughs> mind's eye. Exactly. They can take those characters in any direction they want. Exactly. I I I approve of that direction. In fact, uh, in both cases, but um, the yeah. So I, yeah, they look they look fun. I like that they are not. Uh, you know, they're pretty close art wise to the to the concepts, which I always kind of like that because it it's just getting what you expected, right? So let me ask you this. Yeah. Because <clears throat> here's where I was at. All right. Um, season one, we got the stuff from Kickstarter, and we got our, our mascots and our captains together. Mm-hmm. As season two came out, we got a bunch of captains released two by two, you know, marching two by two out of the uh, out of the factory. Yeah. And now we're getting mascots. Well, now we, we don't know how they're going to come, you know, as if all three are going to release at once there, but we're getting mascots sort of alone. I feel like now that I'm seeing the mascots coming in, I'm this is the first set of releases I'm kind of, I'm I'm overall fairly meh about. And I'm wondering if it's because but there's an armadillo. There is, there is, and, and that's fair. I mean, come on, and there's a replacement for salt, so you know, also good. But I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if my feedback would be, instead of giving us two captains at a time, give us a captain and a mascot next time. Well, I, I know that they wanted the to get. Releases. I know that they wanted to get the captains out. As mu- as fast as they could, as as completely as they could, because the captains have such a huge impact on competitive play, whereas the mascots are, by design, a less impactful model. And and, and while some of these new mascots uh, are going to be become fixtures, you know, especially with specific captains probably or just because you have a a fetish for disgusting rats uh, <laughs> and i don't and i don't mean vile swarm i mean wrecker or, right or wait wait i mean rolando um because really they're just armored rats and they're horrible and and they just run out in the road every 20 minutes in front of your car um they uh I would like to see them get all eight mascots out quickly just so that we could have them and kind of be moving on. Uh, especially since while less of an, of a, while some teams having them and some teams not is not as big a deal as it sort of felt when it was captains in the same situation. I do think that everybody's just going to want to have their alternate mascot. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like this has been a lesser release than other releases that have been coming out. Well, they are mascots. That's why. Exactly. But that's why my thought was along the lines of give us the mascot and captain together. And, uh, and then they wouldn't. You wouldn't hit that point of, oh, they're mascots. Yeah. 
Well, you know, but I don't know with these guys how much we're, we're getting that, oh, they're mascots. Because one of the things that I really noticed about this is, okay, you know, if we go back and we look at the season one mascots, they were trivial little critters. You know, they were like yappy dogs and birds and, you know, a ferret or a grouse or whatever, you know, the <laughs> squirrel was. Yeah. Yappy dogs. Yeah. Wow, birds in, in, in <laughs> and a, a grouse. And a grouse. So, <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, they were very much sort of the, the the mascot as pet, you know, and they were very, you know, they were just little critters. And one of the things that w- with season two is, first of all, I think all but one of them is on a 40 millimeter base, so they're no longer little critters. Uh, they're... They're a bit more fantastic than the season one critters. And they're a bit, you know, maybe a bit more characterful and a bit less pet-like than the season one critters. So I think that they're, while functionally, they are roughly equal in insignificance as models and perhaps even as characters these are a bit more weighty or perhaps literally a bit more weighty than than the previous batch so i think that there is a i think that's kind of my concern here is that there's a bit of asymmetry you know it's like i was i was okay with the idea that princess was a a little dog on a 30 millimeter base and quaff was a big dog on a 40 millimeter base but you know, a an octopus who has three times the body mass of Angel. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe I wasn't quite ready for that. You know, and you know, admittedly, Salt gets lost on a gaming table mostly because he's not doing anything, but also just because he's so tiny. <laughs> and and so making these guys stand out a little bit more visually. You know, not only is good for the team identity, but it maybe just makes them better miniatures. But there is a little bit of a continuity concern there. And while while trivial, I suppose, um, this is the sort of thing that that gets under my skin. <laughs> you mm. know, the, the inconsequential aesthetic issues are, of course, the ones that that bother me the most. So uh Regardless, I'm looking forward to painting them, and uh, if I must, I'm looking forward to playing them. <laughs> if you but, must. And what you mean by that is, if you must play. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the other five, one in particular, and we'll, we'll see where we go from there. But, um, you know, don't let my... Don't let my shock at the size of tentacles uh, be mistaken for dislike, because I think it's a it's just a roaring miniature. I mean, it looks it's going to be so much fun to paint that thing. Uh, I was just expecting someone shorter. Yeah, it's it, tentacles is the one out of the three that I am most interested in. Mm-hmm. So, well, that was uh, so so. Those are. Those are those. Those are the mascots. <laughs> Them's are those. Uh, apparently, somewhere shortly down the road here, we will be finally getting some uh, hunters, uh, 
hunter's tokens and some campaign cards released right we have seen we have seen examples of them in the wild at the uh at yep. the expo and some people who were there are lucky enough to have them already and uh the rest of us are uh, waiting patiently because i would like to get those tokens and those cards uh but i haven't finished painting my hunters yet anyway so that's that's a small uh it's a small uh consolation there and um let me think what else ah and the battle foam guild ball bag is uh on pre-order to be releasing in july yeah so uh this is a this is an awfully nice uh i actually use the same size bag from battle foam that they put together okay. i just have a custom cutout versus their uh, foam cutout right 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 so yeah it it does look like a a nice bag i actually i'm in the market for a new a new case because my my kr case that i use for all my guild ball miniatures at the moment is about to run out of space so i actually need a bigger bag which the this new guild ball case doesn't help me there but uh, i have definitely been been shopping around and i'll probably stick with you know i'll stick with what got me here probably but it, yeah, it's but like that's one just... of those weird things for me is i feel compelled because i've kept my guild ball miniatures in the same case you know i, I mean i move them into my travel case when i'm going someplace but when they're not in there, they're all in the same box. And for some reason, this is the one game where I want them all in the same box. Like all my other mm. games, I'm okay to have two boxes. And I've got the KR two box shell. And I've got, you know, like everything is fine. But like for the first time, I'm looking at the double size KR boxes because it's like I could get three seasons of miniatures in that box, you know? Right. But could you also fit Sean Benson boxes in there? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know the Battle Foam bag comes with Osball Famous Sean Benson yes. boxes. I, I'd have to get some measurements. <laughs> and then you'd have to find someplace to supply you yes. Sean Benson boxes. Exactly. Very good. So, yeah, I mean, you know, like, these are these are definitely first world problems, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, absolutely. Like, boo-hoo, where am I going to, you know, how 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 big of a box do I have to, to get to fit every Guild Ball miniature into one box? But it is a, uh, it is a cross I will bear. So. So, so, Phil, are you going to Origins this weekend? I'm not going, but I know a lot of people who are. Neither am I. Yeah. But the Guild Ball guys are. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have a they're going to have a nice contingent up there. I'm sure that they're going to be having a great time and uh I'm exhausted just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, so Origins is coming up this weekend. A whole bunch of events going on there. Yep, yep. And I think that would put us to the middle of June series of tournaments. Um in the mid-atlantic mm -hmm. so east coast if you look at uh now new jersey down to about raleigh there is not only a guild ball tournament damn near I think every it, I weekend think it goes even further south than that don't the uh south carolina guys have one coming up in is that, the end of june south carolina yeah i think so 
I think I they're in was... the uh, I think they're in the little thing at the end of the show. I don't know. Listen to the end okay. of the show. <laughs> yeah, I I I'm, I may have missed one, but I uh, we we have officially hit in at least one area of the U.S. a now granted we're talking about like a ten hour driving distance top to bottom, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I uh, think everybody in England just weekend. had a everybody in England just had a little heart attack. <laughs> Like a 10-hour driving distance. Like, where are they driving to? Italy? No, we're just going down the road. <laughs> Three states over. So, but yeah, there's um, there's a lot of, I mean, summer, things are picking up. Now, a lot of these tournaments are coming in, you know, in the teens, teens to 20s, but it is a great way to see things start picking up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the concentration is is really nice to see absolutely so and then uh you know that gets us through june and july and then the beginning of august is of course gen con yeah which is uh u.s championships the you know biggest gaming event of the year and uh so there uh, are currently um, (laughs) let me look as as we're looking now funny little story here so i see this post from jamie uh jamie p saying hey you know as of noon on this Sunday, East Coast time, U.S., the new events will go live. Mm-hmm. And I went on earlier in the day. I was like, oh, cool. Let's see what he, what they're going to be putting up. Logged into my account, which I already have my tickets for everything, and uh, clicked. And I was able to add stuff to my cart. I never picked up. I didn't pick up additional tickets, but... I was able to add stuff in. Well, come to find out, I don't know if that was a glitch on my cart or if it was because mm-hmm. I was already in events. Mm. But there were not many people who could add stuff before noon. So here I am posting going, hey, don't worry about it. They're already live. No. Nah. <laughs> so so, uh, so right now there are eight, as I look, there are eight events with tickets still available. All right, and, uh, But are any of those qualifiers? Uh, one, two, three, three okay. of them are good. So for everybody who missed that first chance, um, yep. you know, if All you're not aware of the fact that you now have a second chance, you have a second chance. And one of those qualifiers, the Saturday morning qualifier mm-hmm. still has 24 tickets left. Oh, wow. Okay. Of the 32. So there is plenty of room. Good. Well, that, and that's good. Cause I know that there were. There were people who very much wanted to go and felt like they couldn't, and hopefully the message will get back to them, and we will see. Right. We will see those those people make the trip after all, which would be, which would be very good. So, and of course we'll be there. So whether that's a reason to show up or not, um, you yeah, know that's, that's that's for you to decide. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm gonna show up. Yeah. Oh, you weren't talking to me. You were talking to the listeners. Well, you know. <laughs> I was, I was just, I was talking to you too. I mean, let's be honest. Okay, you know, yeah, to each their own. So, uh, so that's yeah, that's coming up, and then that'll get us through summer, and we can start looking at uh, fall, which is when we'll we should have uh, we should have information on SteamCon soon, and the the yeah. the World Championship that goes with it. So. Good times, good times. Yeah, lots so that'll of, be fun. Lots and lots of events. All right, so you know that's the games we're going to be playing in a couple months. But uh, we've been playing games in the meantime, and it turns out 
we should move to our second segment. Yeah, so we should move to our second segment and say that uh, turns out we were both a little scalpel curious lately. So yes, <laughs> that's a, that's a good way to say it. I like that. Yeah, and of course it's it's uh, you know longtime listeners will be probably surprised to hear to hear that I've been that I've been stretching the the legs on the the morticians having having maintained for a year and a half now that they're just not my team. Uh, I'm surprised. Well, you know, you know what happened was I was looking at my, I was looking at my figures recently and I just, I ultimately just decided that they're the ones I like my paint job on the best. I just really liked the black and white paint job that I did. I, you know, I felt like I nailed the, uh, the, the look that I wanted with them and it was just a shame that they were sitting in the box you know while you know the, the Masons and the Union <laughs> were constantly being run out and uh, the, the Brewers were the ones who were getting new you know new car smell the, the poor the poor morticians were just in the in the box like looking great and it was just like oh you wow. know I gotta I gotta get these guys out so Plus, I noticed you, you know, didn't pull them out with Obulus. You pulled them out with, with uh, Scalpel. Well, yeah, I did, mostly just because of timing. It's like, well, if I'm going to take them out anyway, I might as well get it with Scalpel. And by not playing Obulus, I can at least, you know, look myself in the mirror. <laughs> so, uh, so, so what would you think? How would you, you like the, uh, the girl with the knife that doesn't stay on her hand? Uh, it hasn't fallen off of mine yet. So here's the thing. So I actually went give down it time, to give it time. <laughs> I, I went I went down this week to or, or last week I guess I went down to Armada for a rare uh, a rare actually playing a game appearance at the local game store. There was a Phil sighting. There was a Phil sighting. Not just a Phil sighting, but a Phil <laughs> playing a game sighting, which has only happened like twice before. Oh my before. god. Uh, Wednesdays are hard for me. It's just it's just a day thing, you know. It's nothing personal. I love those guys; they're the best. But Wednesdays are hard for me. But this week, I or last week, I had a rare free Wednesday, and so I I threw more of my my morticians in the bag, and I went down and and I uh, ended up facing uh, Byron, who is a uh, you know one of the you know one of the good guys that hangs out down there, and a a very good player, and. Ended up winning a game that I did not deserve to win, basically, is what it came down to. Uh, it was uh, 10 to 4, and Byron actually uh, pointed out a play that I had that I didn't realize I had that ended oh. up setting up eight uninterrupted points on my part and ended up 12 to 10. So I think he deserves the win. I just rolled the dice. Now, <laughs> On the way there, I had to roll a lot of really good dice. <laughs> so uh, you might want to get those Gilball Tonight dice. They're terrible for charges, but great for kicks. <laughs> good to know. Because <laughs> I couldn't hit a charge to save my life. But when the, the game was on the line, I was just, just killing those kicks. So, yeah, so it was... Um, it was a game that ended the way that I love Guild Ball games to end, which is just a crazy flurry of improbable dice rolls. I mean, I know that the the people who want to, to grind out predictable, you know, 
my strategy is superior to yours, games, hate to hear things like that, but I love chaos on the pitch, and I love it when balls just ping-pong around and fall on somebody's foot, and then you kick a goal, and then you can... You like it's just exciting, you know. I want the get. I want the end of the game to be exciting. I don't want it to just be, oh, I killed your sixth guy because you couldn't do anything about it, and and all your players are are, you know, decimated, and and wow, that was boring. No, I want it to be crazy things happen, and you know, dice, and that was the way it ended. But I will say, I did not deserve to win that game in any way, shape, or form. So. Uh, that being said, it was a blast. So, so what did Scalpel do for you? Like, what was the play that? Wow. He so out? here's the thing: Scalpel didn't do anything. Right. Scalpel gave Scalpel gave everybody else enough influence to be rad, which mm. is something that I'm not used to seeing from a mortician's team. Because <laughs> normally the boss is eating it all up, and I know that you know I've been talking to to Steve Newton about running this mortician squad because. Yeah, you know, he is, uh, you know, well, well, well established as a mortician's I, player. I hear he plays well. I hear he's played. I hear he's won a game or two. Uh, lost, yeah, lost, yeah. lost, lost to his kid over the weekend, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we, we all lose to that kid, but uh, yeah. So I mean, he's a big fan of piling up influence on Scalpel and letting her be the the game breaker, but. And I had probably intended to do that in this game, and the the circumstances were just fighting against me. So what I ended up doing was just, you know, seeing what silence does with four influence, and seeing what gas does with three, and seeing what, you know, a fully loaded cassette can do. And, you know, in in the right time, you know, those other players do so much more when they've got more than one or two influence on them. Uh, So it's... it is it it it's a lot like the the revelation that I got playing Esther's with the Brewers was you know this team does more with this captain and I think that Scalpel is a is a captain that you can you can play in either guys credibly I right. think that you can load her up and she can, you know, she can go hurt people and then run away. And that's a that's an effective strategy. Or you can use her as a, you know, almost a supporting role where she is, you know, giving out an influence or two every turn and just playing for a, a critical tormented agony to to take away some expensive play. Uh, which is pretty much what I was trying to use her for toward, uh, in most of the game was just, you know, get get that one surgical hit as opposed to a uh, a big hit because I had other people who were delivering the, the big hits when I needed them. So what, what team did you run her with? All right, so I was doing, I had, I had Scalpel, Dirge, Gast, Casket, Cosset mm. and silence. Uh, okay. I'm determined to make casket work because I love his miniature so much, but I'm just not sold on him. And you'll notice I had no union players, and that was kind of a double, 
a double reason. First of all, I just wanted to play the I just wanted to play the Morticians players Morticians. because I'm not as familiar with them, and I just I need to I need to learn what they do a little bit more, uh, you know, and I need to get them to where I am with teams like the Masons and the Brewers and and the Alchemists, where I've just played enough games to to really know what they do. And the other reason I did that is because I was playing against Captain Rage. <laughs> and I just didn't want to deal with my gang, right? Like, I think that if I had been determined to play Mist, I could have, but yeah. So I got to admit, I think that's a, I think that's a fun matchup to uh, Captain Rage and team against Scalpel and team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I have had, so God, I, I think I'm up to, eight or nine games with her now. Um, I know I just crossed eight. I may have maybe up to nine. I am finding something very similar to you. Now I'm de- you know, I'm bouncing back and forth between four influence and six. Uh, I don't often put less than four on scalpel. All right. But, um, and there are turns when I, I load her up, but I do find that unlike Obulus, she, she definitely does play same thing you saw right she definitely plays with her well i should say it this way her team plays she she makes it she isn't dominating the table and and taking everything away from her team her team is running around and doing things right right exactly and and they're the ones that bring you through in fact one of the things i've mentioned in in a couple of my write-ups on her and and i've done a couple i've done write-ups on uh there's three or four write-ups over the next I think my last one comes out next week um, that talks about my experience. And one of the big things I've found with her, which was reinforced by one of my locals, is that she's a finisher. She's mm-hmm. not going to mm-hmm. kill somebody from full. Mm-hmm. But once you get somebody down to that 10, you know, into that last line of health, Right. She will come flying in. And and as one of my locals says, she is exactly what her name says. She picks a target and scalpels them out. Or she, you know, and if she's not going for a kill, she goes to mess up somebody's, you know, very, very specific, very targeted, move in, mess up somebody's influence, and then get out. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can see her... I mean that that definitely is what she's she's built for is that is that that focus on on uh, a single target. Although she does ping pong very well, she's got a lot of mobility in her playbook. A lot of dodges, right? Oh, yeah. So if you're not trying to get at, get somebody out, you can you can really move her across the board uh, just as well. Which does come in handy sometimes as well. And she's, um, she's, she's, as far as morticians are concerned, she's a striker. I mean, come on, three, six <laughs> kick. Morticians don't know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what? They've so, got a, they've got a striker. It's missed. Yeah, it's well, missed and bone saw. <laughs> I've been having a lot of fun. I, I think she's a, she's a fun captain. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, we won't. I I, I don't think. I, I think a a 
a good player will be able to play her competitively. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's going to have a large competitive showing because I still think from a competitive mindset, people people can figure out Obulus's tricks easier. And there's more room to recover from mistakes with Obulus. Yeah, but you got to be Obulus guy, right? Oh, yeah. You, you got to be an Obulus yeah, Exactly. You got to be an Obulus guy. Like, I feel no guilt about playing Scalpel. I feel a little, I feel a little dirty playing Obulus. Yeah. I I don't. Ah, uh, well, but I wouldn't I, expect you I, to. But though. I also, yeah, but I also don't think Obulus is as amazing as everybody makes him out to be. No, uh, for me, it's just it's just the he 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 is as close to crossing the negative play line as I think we need to go, and it's just I don't like playing against Obulus, and it's made me not want to play with Obulus. So it's interesting you say that because I actually I don't remember I don't. I don't know if I've said this on here or not, um, or if I've just said it at my local group. I when you talk about a negative play experience, I actually think scalpel is is much closer to a negative play experience. And here's why I say that: I think scalpel's strength and utility mm-hmm. ramps up in inverse to the skill level of the player, your opponent. Okay. So the less capable your opponent is, the less skilled they are, the newer they are at the game, the less they can adapt their plans on the fly, Mm -hmm. um, the more rigid they are in how they play. Right, the worse Tormented Agony is going to be. Well, Tormented Agony and um, um, what's the, uh, is it Nimble or whatever, the the not being able to be hit by Parting Blues and the push dodge and then and then run to the other side of the board yeah. using a momentum um, with the reposition. I mean, just the things that Scalpel can do, I think, become much more what the F just happened to me <laughs> to deal with on the other side of the table the less, the less experienced at the game you are. Yeah, possibly, possibly. It's just... I don't know. That's comparing, you we're, like we're still you can... comparing them to Obulus, though, or her yeah, to Obulus. I, yeah, I mean, and here's my thing. I think it looks to a new player like you could still chase her down and get her easily. Yeah. And you're not going to get there with Obulus. You just kind of throw your hands up and realize you can't do anything. Right. Until you figure out how to do something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess she doesn't have. Uh, she does not have. Unpredictable movement. <laughs> Which... Right, right. Now, did you use um, did you use her legendary play in the uh, during your game? I never. I, there was never a point where it felt like the right thing to do. There was one turn where uh, there was one turn where I almost used it because it, it might have pulled some people. Uh, out of out of place to be able to interfere with my scoring run, but because of my activation order needs, uh, she ended up going too late in the turn to impact it. But okay, had I had the situation been a little bit different, I was definitely planning on using it that turn as a way to as a way to put a little space between 
Silence and Dirge who were working up the the right side to to get me a goal, and Rage and Decimate who were close enough to to get into the the play on that, but uh, as it ended up breaking out, uh, I think Minx came on. Uh, came back on over the the turn break on that side of the field and it ended up being disruptive anyway. And uh, early enough in the turn that the the legendary wouldn't have mattered. So Ooh. I just never got an opportunity. So I do think her legendary is one of the more head scratching legendaries out there. Like I haven't quite figured out whether it's a whether it's better used as in that kind of a situation where you're just trying to reposition players on the field away from something you're doing, or if it's more of a, uh, a radial lore almost to pull people into a bad situation, or if it's just both, you know, I'm yeah. still trying, I'm still trying to get to, to get a feel for when and where that, that play comes into its own and having, you know, seen an opportunity to do it, but not actually even gotten the opportunity to do it. I, uh, I did not, uh, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what to do with that. So if anybody has some good advice on Scalpel's Legendary, I certainly, I certainly want to hear what you're doing with it. Yeah, I would love to hear too, because what I'm using it for is, um, really to, I haven't because of where I activate her either very early in the turn or late, you know, basically first or last is a lot of the times when I'm using her. I am not finding a lot of good opportunity, if you will, right to um to to use her legendary as um I I basically I use it to counter things like where they go, responsive play anybody that uh, unpredictable movement um things that can dodge dodge people away mm-hmm. right so if i want to get in and attack things and and they jump away it lets me turn around and and get back in no you know right? that's an Pull excellent that's an excellent point it does it does counter those specific situations where somebody yeah. with an unpredictable movement or a countered where they go uh, has to come right back again. <laughs> now, my challenge with that becomes um, it's only once a game, mm-hmm. and she's a finisher, not a killer. Right. So, you know, suddenly I end up in these situations where, yes, she can do it, but it doesn't really help a huge amount, or it gets things started because they've burned off their where they go, and lets me, you know, continue to use my influence. I, I mean, it's not useless by any means, but it's not fantastic. I, so far for me, it's ending up as one of the weaker legendaries out there, mm-hmm. which is why I would love to know, you know, again, how are how are other people using it if they're getting a lot of good use out of it? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. So you think you're. Uh... You think you're going to be using her more, or do you think it's going to be a case of seeing it until you don't want to see it anymore? Uh, what do you mean, playing playing her playing, or playing scalpel? Um, she's fun. 
She's made it into my lineup for fun games. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see using her, at least not right now, for any kind of serious games. Okay. Okay. Um, she's definitely not made it into my tournament lineup. Uh, I know how to deal with her, or I feel comfortable dealing with her in a tournament setting. So, not really concerned about things there. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think that she is... You know, if I continue to play Morticians more seriously, I think that she may be the captain I go with just because I, I like the... I, I like the team that she runs a little better. I like the... I, I like the... The, the less... The, the less, you know, socially uh, unacceptable playstyle that she has. That's fair. And, um, yeah, I just kind of like her trick a little bit better than than Obulus is from a, just what I want to do in a game standpoint, you know? I mean, I'll be the first to I mean, Obulus is a fantastically powerful player, and I have often looked across the board and envied what Obulus can do. And... It, it, you know, if you're going to start playing Morticians, it, it is a little hard not to say, "Oh, I can do that now." But I, you know, I had fun playing Scalpel, and I think that she just she's just a little bit more the kind of captain that I like to run. You know, I like to run captains who give me options, and Ibulus gives you a lot of options, but those options are always give. You know, what is he going to do with eight influence? <laughs> In, the, in, a, in a way, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think that uh, I like... Now, the, the big question for me is, what is Casket's future? Because I want to like him, but... Uh, I felt like he had a, a good turn one and did nothing the rest of the game because he got out there, he threw down a couple of... Uh, ghostly visages and tremendously dictated what that you know turn one gutter nonsense was going to be uh and then he kind of just stood there and quagmired for the rest of the game and never even when given influence you know i look at his playbook and it's like well this isn't what i need right now uh so he spent just you know the and the other thing about casket was that his his foul odor frustrated me i think more than it frustrated my <laughs> opponent because the thing so is I, that when you've got a tar pit in the middle of the board you're trying to do your ability to get to do more than just be in the tar pit is maybe more important than your opponent's ability to pick and choose how and where he goes into it. Right. And, you know, I, I have that problem with Feng too sometimes too, where it just feels like, it just feels like he's hurting me more than he's hurting the other guy with that ability. So uh, casket fails me regularly <laughs> and in a very different way from bone saw. Yeah. Bone saw does stuff but never does as much as i want him to do casket just plain fails me whenever i try to line up the damage and get somebody down to three i flub my dice rolls with them 
and he can't close the kill. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't deal as much damage, and his knockdowns are not as accessible as Ghast's. So he doesn't, you know, for the slot. Like, when I look at that slot, he just doesn't do the work in the slot that any other model I would put in that slot will do. And for that reason, I really haven't looked at him. Now, I will tell you this. I had... One of the the last game I played with Scalpel, I had a ton of fun, and it was purely just a screw around game. I'm gonna throw together this team that we had talked about after a, a recent tournament, uh, just because we thought it was silly, and it ended up being, it actually ended up being really effective and fun to play, and that was Scalpel and Dirge because. Well, Dirge. Uh, I actually like Dirge in the team with the fast movement. Mm -hmm. um, Minx, Cassette, Grave. Uh, Minx, Cassette, Graves, and Silence. Hmm. 13 influence. Two models that charge for free. Mm -hmm. Graves actually was able to get four influence every turn. Absurd charge ranges between mark target and graves being able to charge people who are, you know, extra charge against people who are hurt. Right. Right. Uh, scalpel able to move just anywhere she wanted on the board. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it's a very fast team. You're right. And, and they they uh, they wolf pack. Right. <laughs> they, you basically pick somebody, and then the whole team just flies into them and mm -hmm. smacks them. Yeah, and, and that, that is one thing. I really felt like the team I was running was slow. I'm not used to running a team quite as slow as uh, that particular mortician's team I was running with, you know, the likes of... I mean, Silence, you know, he's, he's shockingly slow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Casket in there and Gast in there. And, and there were times when I felt like, especially when I was being bogged down by Foul Odor, when I just felt like I couldn't get anywhere. And so a team like that would probably, you know, that's one I should probably try because, you know, I like, I like speed. I like being able to fly across the board. So that's an interesting it, lineup. Yeah. It, it was a lot of, it was fun, mm -hmm. right? There was, and there was so many things, uh, the influence to pass around, um, you know, it's my first time playing Graves. I've, I've seen them played. Um, in fact, I watched Jamie play them and actually saw him get some good use out of them. Mm -hmm. really kind of holding him back and waiting for the right time to, to, to you know, kind of run in and do his hits. Mm -hmm. um, Graves is the only one on the team with a two-inch reach. But uh, even with that, I just didn't end up in a situation. I was playing against Fish. So, it, uh, you know, at one point it actually got a little amusing because it was a, a shark-built fish team with Fangtooth. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm looking around and I'm like, well... Okay, let's see how this goes. We're going to kill Fangtooth. We're going to kill Fangtooth this turn. That didn't quite pan out that way, because <laughs> Fangtooth has a lot of health. Yeah, it is, but, it is um, a lot of health. But it definitely was more damage than I was expecting to dump into him. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, yeah, I mean, grab the ball, bounced it around a lot. It was uh, just overall, it was a fun team to play. There's a lot of things they can do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of influence to reassign and, and, you know, put here and there and everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a groovy team. I think I'll play them, you know, at least a few more times and then see where I where I stand on them. And they may, they may kind of go with the engineers as a team that 
just isn't my team or they may become uh they may become another team that I play a lot, but I certainly I certainly had a fun game. Now let's see if I can if I can translate that into a a long-term fun run, but it it is nice to 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 play against a team or to play with a team that I've mostly played against, you know, just to kind of get the uh the other side. Yeah, you kind of see that maybe the grass isn't as green as you thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, agree. I think that's, yet again, another thing that I think it would be good for people to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially all the people that complain about Obulus. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So, yeah, but it was, so yeah, so it was nice to, in a... Uh, so you to had get out and I had fun playing morticians, which is a sentence yeah, I would not have expected to, to say. Yeah, I was gonna say, doesn't that just hurt coming out of your mouth? A little bit, a little bit. I'm I'm, I'm well aware of it. I, it's not like I said I had fun playing fish. You know, okay. So, yeah. so the universe is not is not going to uh, is not going to implode anytime soon. So. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So why don't we go ahead and move on to our. Uh, our interview with Midas and uh, hear what he has to say about starting up a, a new scene and a new store. And then uh, Bill and I will be back on the other side to hit up a couple of Twitter questions before we, uh, before we put this one to bed along with uh, well, along with ourselves. So yes. All right. We will see you. Uh, we'll see you when we see you. All right, so tonight we are going to be joined, uh, not for the first time, by uh, local legend Michael Rivero, also known as Midas, who is going to share with us the the story of how he got Guild Ball going at a, a new store in the area. And uh, hopefully his, his experience can help other uh aficionados of the game to to get through that process uh in their own areas where they want to uh kind of get the game uh you know get the game up and running in a in a new place so you know by way of uh of that introduction let's say uh hey there michael how you doing hey i'm doing great phil thank you for having me yet again yeah yeah so i think that the um you know, to, to set this up, I think we need to do a little bit of geography here because, you know, I, I think a lot of people know from listening to the show that we have a really successful local guild ball group at Armada Games. But there, uh, there are some peculiarities to the to the Tampa Bay area when it comes to gaming. And the, and the, the, the critical word there is bay. Um so we've got uh, essentially two cities on opposite sides of a, uh, you know, a lot of water connected by three or four bridges. And for somebody to to go to a store on the other side uh, for weeknight gaming is really asking a lot. Uh, bridges, <laughs> bridges mean traffic, especially... Traffic after work which is when you'd have to be driving so uh michael is uh you know he's got the um 
the good fortune of living on the nicer side of town, but not the side of town with Armada. So, <laughs> right. And uh, so, right. so Armada is, is great. And Armada is the reason why the Tampa scene is so big. And Aaron and Michael do a really good job running Gilball events. Uh, Dan from the kickoff is the local pundit there. And Dan runs tournaments, um, incredibly consistently once a month minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, you know, once they invited me to be on the podcast, and it's only, I mean, it's 35 miles, which isn't that long. But like you said, it's we live in a different county, and it's surrounded by a bridge. And to get there on a Wednesday night, which is their designated Gilball night, I allotted for extra time with traffic. But with all the construction on the bridge, I mean, there's literally construction everywhere. You pass by a major <laughs> airport. It took me two and a half hours yeah. to make a drive that without when I, I mean when I drove home at one o'clock in the morning after we finally finally finished recording the podcast and the match, um, it took me about 35, 40 right. minutes, which is the, what I you would expect to get there. But two and a half hours is how long it took me to get there, right. and I realized there's no way I'm going to be able to game at night. And you know I can manage the week, weekend tournaments, but I realized you know I need to get practice, and I like playing the old ball, and, and it's not feasible to do that. Uh, during the week with any sort of a life living where I live. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, why don't I try and get get something going? And there are a lot of local game stores uh, near me, and there's one that happens to be uh, quite nearby, and, and they're really big on supporting war games. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where I, uh, I went. Um, for anybody who's who's listening who's, who's local, it's Serenity Games in Seminole, Florida. And um, the owners, uh, Juan and Michael, incredibly supportive. And you know, we have a really good scene there. I have Tuesday night Gilball nights, and... Uh, at any given night, there's anywhere between you know eight to twelve people playing guild ball um, on those nights, and even you know other weeknights on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays. There's always people playing guild ball now. Yeah, I mean you've I- done a great job of launching it. So I think that the uh, kind of going through the process that you used when you when you got to where you are, you know, as I said in the introduction, you know, hopefully that can can help anybody who is looking to to do the same. So now that we've gotten kind of the why you needed to do it out of the way, um, let's start talking about that house. So what was the, uh, what made you pick the store that you, that you picked? I mean, you, you've said that it's local and that they support games, but I know that you had, you had several choices. So what was really kind of the, the decision-making process? Okay. So there are, there are two things. The first thing I would say is if you're, you know, especially if you're a pundit and you're, cause you're expected to support the game and be there for, you know, not just yourself to play, but to help be a resource for the team, for the store, and for the players, is you know, play a game there and, and see if you like the environment. Like, don't you know, if there's three game stores, and I, there was another store, not quite as near, nearby, but I, you know, you and I met there once to play, and it just wasn't very inviting. They weren't super welcoming mm-hmm. to work. You could tell that their focus was somewhere else. Right, right. It's so the, played, the room played, in the back that nobody pokes their head into. Yeah. So I played a game there, and it was a you know it was great. Someone from the you know the uh, the employee on duty came and talked to me, uh, looked at the models, was very friendly. Um, everyone was nice, didn't smell bad. You know, it was a lot. Of, was a lot of, you <laughs> that's know, which, an important factor. I know you can't discount that. Um, so the next thing I did was I, I reached out to the store and said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm a pundit. Um, I'm interested in, in supporting the game." Is it, and they said, "You know, what's really great is now that time's progressed." It was a long road for me, and not the store's fault, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but I think anyone doing it now will have a much easier time based on those change of circumstances that, that have occurred in the United States. Um, but he said, you know, we're really, we've heard a lot of really great buzz. We are interested in it. Um, 
So we, we'd be glad to have you. Mm-hmm. And so I, he helped me set up a designated night. He told me when the other, uh, you know, when 40K players were there and when, you know, when they had a lot of Magic players that would be maybe taking up tables. And so I decided on Tuesday, uh, that way I could have the, the Wednesday. And this is really important because we didn't have models right away. And I, you know, consistency is key. I showed up for probably at least a month, maybe a month and a half where they didn't have models yet because they're waiting on distribution. And I brought my models and I had demos set up. It's always important to be ready. So I had my, my fish and my butchers and my tokens and everything set up and I would just wait. And there were times where I would sit and no one would talk to me. No one would put on a demo game. But it was important that I was there every Tuesday like I said I would be. When I, I'd advertise in their Facebook group and say, this is where I'm going to be. I set up events. Um, and even though I didn't get any games, but what was, imp- what was also important was just for my own sanity is I could convince some of the Tampa guys to take a trip over to Seminole to get some games in with me. Uh, that way I wasn't just going stir crazy. There were definitely <laughs> some weeks where there were some really great guys over in Tampa who'd come out. Um, and then when it started picking up, they also helped me do demos, which was great too. But you know, don't try and compete with another local store. You want to give people more options, not make them choose. Because yeah, typically speaking, absolutely. once you're establishing a game store, you're not going to walk away from that store. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. someone set up, if someone nearby set up a, a Guild Ball night on Tuesday, I would say, no, sorry, I'm already at Serenity. Mm-hmm. But they said on Thursday, I'd say, well, you know, I mean, I could swing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why I would say, you know, to kind of take inventory of what's going on um, and, you know, try and coordinate. Um, the thing with the, uh, with the demos was it was really hard to get people interested when they're already invested in the system. And 40K was the, is the big game at Serenity. A lot of 40k players, mm-hmm. which uh, I didn't feel threatened by, because you know, like the like management said, 40k players, you know, they throw a lot of money at models. You know, dropping a grand on a faction is no big deal. So to find out that there's a game where they can buy in at 65, 70 dollars, you know, they'll grab, gladly pick it up as a, sec- a second game, and then potentially could shift it to a first game. So I wasn't worried about it, but it's hard to sell someone on models or a game system when they don't have it available. If they like it, they want to buy it then. They don't want to go home and order it online. And there are some distribution issues as far as uh, getting the models in. First, it was there were a lot of distributors in the United States. Um, I think it was only GTS had it in the beginning. The, the other bigger companies like PhD didn't have it yet. Um, but now that's been rectified where I'm pretty sure all the big distributors, PhD, Golden, GTS, they all carry Guild Ball. And um, yeah, my particular yeah. store has a good relationship with PhD, which is uh, has a warehouse outside of Orlando, and they can get models and other stuff next day to them. So any special orders, you know, you order on Tuesday, it's there on Wednesday. And once the models came in stock, it was so much easier to get people into it. So I would say, you know, another important thing about talking to the store owners is make sure they're, they're willing to give uh, give the game some space on the wall because it's going to be hard to sell it if it's not actually in stock. Yeah, certainly, certainly, certainly. All right, so now once you once you had settled on the store and once you had uh, arranged all that, what kind of how did you go about drawing in people to to play? Were you just relying on the people who are already in store? Were you Using social media, what were your what were your methods of sort of spreading the net? So it's to the point now where I think, you know, as a if you're a pundit, you need to be on Facebook. You know, even if you just completely disagree with, <laughs> you don't have to share your. Life. I know. You have to exist on Facebook. I mean, Phil, you exist on Facebook for Guild Ball tonight, so I know I'm preaching the choir. Oh. Um, but for my particular game store, they had a miniature gamers group, 
Yeah. And you know, I think someone said, like, well, we have a Guild Ball group. I said, well, I, I want to appeal to not just people who are interested in Guild Ball. I want miniature gamers to try Guild Ball. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of snuck my way into that group. And I post, hey, I'm going to be at Serenity from 7.30 until close uh, this coming Tuesday. Come by for a demo game. I'll bring all the teams with me. Um, we can chat. And, uh, you know, I, I sat and I talked to people. I was at the wargaming tables. Even the nights when I didn't do demos, I, I would talk to people playing other games. And just, you know, you, I, you can't shove Guild Ball down someone's throat, especially when they're in the middle of a game uh, of another system. And I've never, you know, you never disparage the other game, regardless of how you may personally feel about it one way or another. Um, but, you know, I just kept saying, like, hey, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. And then when people started seeing me, you start developing relationships with people. You learn their names, and even if they're not doing demos, and eventually you see someone off times like, "Hey, you know what? I will give it a try this time." And I ended up giving. I think I've I had given demos to about uh, maybe like a dozen people before the models came in. Mm-hmm. And uh, once they came in, there were actually a lot of people who I hadn't even given demos to who bought the game. Hmm. Uh, and then when they and then they started teaching their friends, and and that's another really important thing about doing demos is. You know, you want these you want these people to learn because you want them to be able to teach as well. Which is why I'm a strong believer, and I know people want to do six on six games, but I'm a strong believer in the three v three demo games with the the demo cards, uh, so you can you can play them quick, and then other people can you know it's it's a lot easier to teach someone the the basic uh, two foot by two foot game than it is to teach them uh, uh, the full thirty six by thirty six with yeah. six on six. Yeah, no. Uh... No disagreement here. All right, so now you've got you've got people interested. You got people buying figures. What what have you done to to sort of maintain this community for the months that you've been that you've been active up there and, and growing? What is the you know what do you, what do you need to do? You know what is the care and feeding for a fledgling group like this? Uh, so with with the store, and this was uh, part, another good thing about the store is they had a lot of experience with. Um, miniature games and they ran a lot of 40k leagues and the owner said i really want to start i start a league i think it's important and i said you know i agree so i developed some league rules and i gave them to the store and they were really great about it. they i was anticipating having to do score sheets each week but they said you know they took care of it um so everyone i think it was just like it was just like something really basic like they put in five dollars and it was a slow grow league where the first week is 3v3, and then 4v4, 5v5, and then go to 6v6. Mm-hmm. Is four weeks. Mm-hmm. And I allocate bonus points to encourage people to play with the clock or to play with painted models or to use terrain. Um, and that gave, gave them bonus points in the league. And you know, the store gave out some prizes to uh, you know, the, the best painted or the person who scored the most points. And, and the great thing about playing a league like that, it's not about skill. So the guys are like, oh, I, you know, there's one guy at my store, he's the nicest guy. He just hasn't, he just doesn't win very much. And I said, you know, but he's an incredible painter. He's super nice, and I, I don't know why he doesn't win because he's a, he's a really smart player. Um, but it's like, you know, keep playing the league anyway because you can still win the league. It's not about who's, you know, who's got the most wins. It's about who's consistently showing up, who's playing games, who's learning, who's developing. And uh, you know, he participated in the league and um, did really well. So have and it, I will send an open invitation. If anyone reaches out to me, I will gladly send them the league rules that I develop. I will send you the word document. You can modify them um, because I think it's really important to 
you know, to get these things shared amongst the community. Like it's not a competition and I, I want to help people. So mess like I say with every segment we do, message me, pick my brain. I'll give you all the documents I have. Um, there are some pundits that created some posters that you could print out and stick those posters to the front of the store to build interest. Um, but all the materials I have, I would gladly give it to anybody. Yeah, very good. All right. So, you know, as, as we, uh, Come to, I guess, sort of the the natural end of the arc here. Is there any uh, like like one last suggestion that maybe we haven't covered, or something you want just want to reinforce? Uh, I guess just be present. You know, not presence of mind, and, and also present in the store. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very, you know, there have been times where I felt really sick, and like, well, I'm still going to go because I want people to know that on Tuesdays I'll be there, right. um, whether I have a game or not, and. Uh, you know, it's just like when you run a tournament and you have the odd man who's able to, uh, you know, keep someone from having to take a bye. Yeah. It's like if there's an odd amount of people, I'll play a game. If there's someone that's struggling, I'll say, okay, let's do a sample game. Let's focus on this, and I'll work through tactics with them. Or there are nights where, you know, I, I, I went in two or three weeks ago, and there were exactly eight people paired up, and they were all playing games, and they had started before I even arrived. And I just... You know, I just kind of hovered around and, and paid attention, answered questions. And, you know, I, I get asked a lot of questions, so make sure you take your rule book with you. Um, but just just to help people with tactics and, and encourage them and let them know, so like, hey, I see you're improving. You're you know you're doing great. You have questions for me, and just just to be there as a as a resource. And I think that's why, even though people play uh, plenty of other days during the week, that's why Tuesday gets the most traffic because I'm there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know people have questions or people want that that interaction. So. You know, be consistent and be present. Right. No, that is that is all excellent advice, and uh, I hope that uh, I hope that other people are able to follow your example and get even more even more stores uh, going with the the success that you've had uh, over there on the other side of the bay. So, uh, you know, thanks for for stopping by to talk to us once again, and uh, we uh, well, I'll see you soon enough. <laughs> That sounds good. Thanks for having me, Phil. All right. Talk to you later. Yep. All right. So we are, we are back and into our, into our feedback section, which we, we always appreciate hearing from you guys. Um, When you say nice things, we appreciate it more than when you don't, (laughs) but sometimes, uh, sometimes you take the good with the bad and, uh, I just got a, a bad '80s TV song jingle <laughs> stuck in my head, and I'm not gonna I, go any further. I had nothing to add to that. Yeah. <laughs> Facts of life. So anyway, look it up, kids. Ask your parents. So uh, let's go ahead and answer some Twitter questions. So uh, let's see. Uh, Adam from uh, uh, Warmore Radio uh, asked us. Uh, in a league, which of the three titles would you try to achieve? So to uh, to to refresh everybody's memory, there is the league champion who gets the most victory points for winning games. There is the shadow master who spends the most favors. And then there is the master stratigos who is the player who accrues the most campaign points. You get that. So it's, it's win games accrue right. campaign points spend favors right so which of those three uh which of those three is on is on the top of your list bill i don't really know 
Yeah. But I, I'm really bad. I, so here's the problem. I see this very much like a, a, when you, when you build your character and in, in different role playing games online. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I get stuck with just trying to do all of them, <laughs> which is why I'm bad at that type of stuff. Right, right, right. Right. I, I, I want to say that I'm going to be spending favors and going for the Master of Shadows because right. that just seems like a really cool title. See, she's sure. Um, you know, and, and then I can play a whole lot of, um, um, I don't know, Metallica and be the Master <laughs> of Puppets. But um, I, I don't know. I may walk around with a with a toga and a little uh, scepter and be the Master of Strategos instead. <laughs> well, I have to say that I think that Master of Strategos is probably the... It's the direction that I'm going to go, and it's it's for some, a couple of simple reasons. First of all, I'm not going to get uh, League Champion, right? Like, I'm just not going to. Uh, and then, of the, the remaining two, what I like about Master Strategos is that it feels like it's the one that you have control over. Uh, I mean, while amassing favors is not difficult, you don't always, you don't always have as much say in how many you get or whether whether each of those favors is accepted i mean cuz some of the some of the favors require you to have a trade partner right and you might not you know especially if people sort of sniff out that you're that you're shooting for master of shadows they might be reluctant to trade with you and that just leaves you with fewer options whereas getting master of strategos is basically a deck building exercise where you you focus on the on the plot cards that give you campaign points and then it's just up to you to spend them so keep in mind it feels like yeah once somebody in in the one thing to keep in mind about the campaigns which you know once once we see some more campaigns i think over the summer it'll be good to talk about this in depth um once somebody kind of sniffs out that you're going for master shadows and stops trading with you you can then just burn your favors off Mm -hmm. to buy sponsorships Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's purely on you Mm -hmm. right that's uh i'm gonna re-roll this shot i'm gonna get extra movement i'm gonna you know um yeah i mean i guess it's, it's it's a very similar you you can you can play it very similar it's just of the three it feels kind of the most to me, it feels like the one that is the most if A then B. Yep. yep. Uh, whereas Master of Shadows, I think, does take a little bit more, uh, a little bit more subtlety in that people can find ways to, I think, not get you favors more, more easily than they can find ways to not get you campaign points. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> So if you like being in charge of your own destiny, I think Master Strategus is the way to go. I think that if you're if you want to have some fun in a role playing exercise, Master of Shadows definitely the way to go. And if you're actually good at the game, then you should probably shoot for League Champion because that's that's yours for the taking. Exactly. So so yeah, all right. So that was a that was a, a good question. Thanks, Adam. All right. So the the next question that we that we have here is from 
Uh, James Reeves, who asks, uh, in general, do you think they set the bar too high with season one captains? Now, <clears throat> I, you know, I don't think so. And I think that there's a couple of reasons why I don't think that the season one captains were too good. You know, first of all, it was always very clear from the start that the captains in Guild Ball were going to be superheroes. You know, they were going to be the best two players on the field and not even necessarily by a small margin. I mean, they are the they are the captains after all. They are the 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 best the best and brightest that the guilds have to offer. And there are asymmetries built into Guild Ball. You know, you've got the mascots down at one end, you've got the captains at the other, and you get the players in the middle and part of the tactics of this game are dealing with and exploiting those asymmetries. The, the other thing that I will say is that even if they did set a very high bar, I think that they've done a fine job of meeting that bar uh, simply by virtue of the fact that we generally speaking don't see a lot of people complaining that the new captains are too good or too bad en masse. You know, there, there's there's definitely some vetching in there about a couple of them, but uh, the stats in terms of you know what's actually happening at tournaments with with team selection don't necessarily bear out that some of them are too good. Uh, although, you know, I think that some of them aren't being seen enough, uh, at the same time. So now I think that it's, I don't feel like, I don't feel like they were unable to, to make, you know, eight new players that were just as good. And I definitely think that the, the power level across the board with captains is appropriate to their role. That is a very complete answer. <laughs> <clears throat> I would tend to agree with you, but uh, l- let me see. Does does this come through? Because I think this is the real answer. Oh, okay. Every limbo boy and girl all around the limbo world. So, so you should you should cut in limbo rock there. Okay, very good. Why is that? <laughs> because it's the limbo song so yes yeah, so you should you should cut in the limbo the limbo okay. song there did they set the bar too high is it royalty free <laughs> all right fair so, enough fair enough all right and i think our our final question of the night um was a, a very a very uh, caring question asked by um our friend lon sims who just says how are things and um, I have to say, things are good. I can see again um, in as much as I can ever see. And uh, Guild Ball is still a fun game. So, yeah, we are. We are glad to have it and lucky to have it. And uh, I think that makes this a podcast. So <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't have to do the spiel about where the links of the show are. That's my other podcast. I've got all the end of this show pre-recorded. So, uh, I'm just going to say goodnight, everybody. What are you going to say, Bill? Good night. <laughs> Excellent. Knees up. Watch the nine.
To join the conversation, comment on the show post at guildballtonight.com or email us at guildballtonight at gmail.com. Phil can also be heard on the Game Punting Podcast. Bill can also be heard on the Gamers Lounge Podcast. Check them out on iTunes. Also, feel free to give us five stars on iTunes. Every little bit helps. But when you do, don't write a review of the show. No. Instead, just tell everybody why you love Flint so very much. Guild Ball is property of Steamforged Games Limited. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guests are their own and do not represent the official position of Steamforged Games, Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion Systems, Aperture Laboratories, or even the other hosts and guests. Dogs barking can't fly without umbrella. Tournaments aren't my thing, but I know a lot of you are into them, so here's a few that are coming up soon. The Ox Memorial Cup, 25th of June, 2016. In Durham, UK. Info on tiebreak. Various events at Gen Con, including the US Championships, August 4th through 7th. Sign up at the Gen Con website. If you'd like your tournament or event mentioned in this list, drop us an email at guildballtonight at gmail.com. Include the name, location, date, and best place to get more information. And we'll put it in the show. And now for this week's edition of the Guild Ball Club Roundup. To get your club included in this list, send us an email at guildballtonight at gmail.com. Include the name, location, and best contact method. And we'll get you in the next show. You'll need to resubmit your club about every three episodes, so keep that in mind. Armada Games in Tampa, Florida. Find them at armadagames.com. South London Wargamers in London, UK. Find them at slwargamers.club. Chelmsford Bunker in Chelmsford, UK. Leeds Night Owls in Leeds, UK find those two on Google. 1066 Wargaming in Hastings, UK. Capital Guild Ball at Dream Wizards in Rockville, Maryland. 2x6 Wargaming in Cambridge, UK. Warhammer Gaming Club in Sunderland, UK. Siege Tabletop in Beverly, UK. Sheffield and Rotterham Games Club in Sheffield, UK. Group North Wargaming Society in Adelaide, Australia. War and Peace Gaming Club in Sandiacre, UK, Outpost in Sheffield, UK, Dark Worlds Gaming Society in Fareham, UK, The Dice Saloon in Brighton, UK, Colorado Gilball Facebook Group in Denver, Colorado, Our House Games in Monroe, Michigan, and the Middlesbrough Gaming Club in Middlesbrough, UK. Find all of those on Facebook. Bradford Gamers Society. Find them on Facebook. Asgard Games in my hometown, Houston, Texas. Find them at asgardgames.net. Chicagoland Guild Ball. 
find them on Facebook. The Carolina Guildball Association in Charlotte and Raleigh, North Carolina. Information on Facebook. It is time once again for another installment of Ox's Poetry Corner. So you want some news? Too busy making Dark Souls. Check back in a week. <laughs> I'm going to cut that whole thing. <laughs> that is too much inside baseball right now. It's too raw. Uh, anyway, we'll see. So That'll end up at the end. No. <laughs> Oh, it won't. That'll end up. That'll be. Send it on... to me. I'll put it in Gamers Lounge. No, no, that is going nowhere. That will never be heard again, outside of the my ear cans and a delete button. 